Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to episode 49 of Conquering Columbus. Uh, we got a great episode for you today, and as we approach our uh, one-year mark of Conquering Columbus, we're going to give you guys a little bit of a throwback here. This is an episode we recorded uh, before uh, we had our current recording equipment and actually before the podcast even launched. We sat down with Gene Smith, athletic director at OSU, and uh, some parts are going to be a little quiet because of uh, uh, lack of uh, high-quality recording equipment. But there's a lot of great content in this episode, and we think you're going to enjoy it. But before we dive into that, I want to take a moment and remind you all, go ahead and look at whatever podcast app you're listening to this on. Click that subscribe button. It really helps us out, and it'll make sure you guys never miss a single episode of Conquering Columbus. The last thing we want to do before we get this episode rolling is take a moment to thank all of our incredible sponsors here at Conquering Columbus. And that starts with AWH. AWH are builders of exceptional digital products for the web and mobile that drive business for select growth companies. With over 4,500 applications developed and 10 million users enjoying AWH applications, they are focused on solving problems and improving lives through better software applications. If you want to find out more about AWH, check out awh.net, which will be linked in the show notes, and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. For those of you who don't know who they are, the Sundown Group is an Ohio nonprofit that helps connect entrepreneurs to investors, mentors, talent, and capital through business pitch events, workshops, and classes offered throughout Ohio. More information on the web at sundownfirst.org. And our last sponsor is Facilities Management Express, or FMX for short. FMX is actually founded and headquartered here in Columbus, Ohio. They're a startup software company. What's really cool about them is a lot of competitors in this space, but they made a name for themselves by designing an easy-to-use and tailored-fit facilities maintenance and management software. They serve industries ranging from churches and schools to property management, manufacturing, and fast casual restaurants. You can learn more or check out a free trial at gofmx.com. Mike here again. And if you want to be a sponsor of Conquering Columbus and have your message heard by conquerors across the city, please reach out to me at mike at conqueringcolumbus.com. And one last thing before we get this episode rolling, conquerors, we want to hear from you. There will be a quick survey in the show notes of today's episode. And if you guys could fill that out for us, we'd really appreciate it. All right, conquerors, let's get the show on the road. drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment and I might get you know my head kicked in in the beginning but I'll find a way to survive I'll find a way to get the job done yeah there's a little doubt but you know what once again I think of that guy in my ear I think about stepping up to the stage I think about the challenge like I've lost sometimes but I've won more than I've lost and so like I bet on me any day choosing greatness greatness doesn't choose you you know, you have to choose it. And, yeah, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Conquering Columbus. On this episode, we have a really special guest, Gene Smith. I'm going to kick it over to Mike Minucci, uh, my co-host, and he's going to give you some background on Gene. You want to go ahead and tell him a little bit, Mike? Hey, sure, Josh. 
Uh, Gene's a really special guy to us. He's the athletic director and vice president at Ohio State University. He's a Cleveland, Ohio native, and he uh, graduated and played football for for Notre Dame, where he helped win a national championship and um, served as director of athletics at Arizona State, Iowa State, and Eastern Michigan universities before taking the helm for OSU in 2005. Uh, since then, things have gotten really good for Ohio State. The NCAA graduation success rate for over 1,000 student-athletes has gone from 80% to 89%, and the football team has improved from 55% to 81% in 2015-2016, all while winning seven different NCAA-recognized national titles in various sports. And on top of all this, Gene was made the vice president of the university, and he was selected by the National Association of College Directors of Athletics in February as the 50th James J. Corbet, Corbett sorry, uh, Memorial Award recipient. And it's the highest honor anyone can receive in college athletics administration. And Gene is the first sitting athletic director to receive the award. Uh, welcome to the show, Mr. Smith. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. Awesome. Is there anything that we missed in that intro? That, uh, <laughs> no, that, no. that was a long one. There's a lot there, Josh. That's what happens when you get old. <laughs> <laughs> um, so something that's kind of cool that I didn't know about is that you were recently elected vice president. Is that correct? Was that a recent thing? or was that No, I was uh, appointed vice president two years ago. Okay. And actually, recently, I was just uh, promoted to senior vice president. Okay. So I'm currently on the cabinet for the university and, and help set policy with the president and other uh, senior vice presidents uh, in a lot of different areas. Okay, awesome. it's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool. So we'll kind of jump into what your responsibilities are now and how they've changed um, as we get more towards the middle of the episode. But to kind of kick things off, let's maybe start back when you were at Notre Dame and mm-hmm. playing football for them. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about what that experience was like and kind of how it formed your path to where you are today. Well, you know, I was blessed. Uh, had two outstanding head coaches that I played under uh, Air Parsesian for two years and Dan Devine for two. And then I actually coached for Dan Devine for four. But, um, you know, I, I just uh, grew as a person. Um, you know, you go to college at the Outstage uh, 17 when I went. Um, and, you know, you have uh, some values and you have a little foundation, but you don't have a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so my growth uh, as a person uh, really occurred at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, strengthened my values, uh, my character. Um, I was able to begin to uh, set a vision for you know what I wanted to, to do in life. Um, and so um, you know it was a great experience. Uh, we we won a lot of games and had a lot of friendships, and still have friendships with many of the guys I graduated with and played with. And uh, so it was a, a unreal opportunity for me to, to be around people actually I otherwise would not have been around. You mm-hmm. know, growing up in Cleveland, Ohio, in the city, uh, then going to a place like Notre Dame, uh, 8,400 students, uh, very affluent background for most of the people. Um, you know, it was it was uh, you know eye-opening experience for me. So I enjoyed it all. Yeah, definitely, I can imagine. So what was it that led you to Notre Dame? Did you have other opportunities on the table that you were looking at or other paths? Yeah, actually, Ohio State was my number two choice. You okay. know, uh, John Hicks was here. Uh, he was uh, from Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, he actually had a, a friend who dated my sister, and, and so uh, I had a strong relationship with Ohio State. Woody Hayes recruited me. Uh, Dick Walker was the assistant coach here that recruited me, and Woody came to my home. Uh, so... Uh, this was my number two choice. Michigan was my number three choice. Both um, Shambecker, and um, you know, it's just a it was a, a great opportunity 
uh, to be recruited by you know a number of prestigious institutions, but I narrowed it down to Notre Dame and Ohio State. And a good friend of mine, uh, Ross Brown in Warren, Ohio, uh, we had become friends uh, in high school and from our sophomore years on. And I was from, you know, Warren was like 30 minutes, 35 minutes from my home. So we got close and uh, we decided to go to Notre Dame together. Smaller campus, um, uh, we fell in love with Eric Parsegian, the head coach. He, you know, he was iconic at that time, just like Woody was. And mm-hmm. uh, so we just fell in love with the campus, uh, respected Era to a great degree, and uh, you know, headed on over. That's great. That's great. So through that process, you know, did you ever were you ever thinking in college, hey, I, w- I really want to be an athletic director someday? Yeah, not really, Mike. You know, uh, <laughs> this was one of those things. Uh, um, you know, where, where uh, lessons that I learned from my father. My father was an electrician, and uh, he always taught me to, to do your doc- whatever job you have, do it, do it excellently, uh, be good to people. And and um, I left when I left Notre Dame. Actually, I coached at Notre Dame when I graduated for four years. Uh, Dan Devine retired, so then I went to work for IBM for two years, uh, selling computers in the early '80s and. The defensive coordinator I played for at Notre Dame had become the athletic director at Eastern Michigan University. And he wanted someone with business background, uh, someone that understood football because he was getting ready to hire hire a new football coach. And and so, um, you know, I met him for about five hours and he kind of outlined on a napkin what athletic administration would be and, and how I possibly could move up in it. And uh, so I left IBM and you know, went to work for him. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I'm fortunate that while he was a coach at Notre Dame, I think he recognized uh, my work ethic, my character, mm-hmm. um, my focus uh, to do things the right way. And uh, so I lucked up into that, in, into my career path. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think largely based upon what he saw in me as, as I performed as a student athlete there and, and obviously what he heard about me when I was coaching at Notre Dame and uh, the job that I was doing at IBM and all that so um, I, was, I was fortunate. Mm-hmm. And so during those those coaching periods is there something that you think and you guys won a national championship during mm-hmm. that period correct? Mm-hmm. Is there something that you think made you separate yourself and the other coaches on your staff from all the other colleges around the country? Is there something that you know, what I always thought was kind of crazy wrestling under Tom was that he had a really unique way of mm-hmm. handling his athletes, motivating right. them, right, and understanding that each person gets motivated a little bit differently. That's right. No, that's the, that all started for me at Notre Dame. You know, right. here our philosophy is uh, the, the focus on developing the total student athlete, and that is an individual focus. It's not a group focus, and, and everyone needs to be uh, taught in a different way in the classroom, and everyone needs to be coached differently on the mat or on the court or wherever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so at Notre Dame, uh, uh, when I was uh, coaching, actually, um, that's really where I kind of developed that philosophy. And and, folk, and and I was, again, lucky because I moved straight from playing to coaching. Mm-hmm. I was coaching guys that I used to party with. Mm-hmm. So I knew them, mm-hmm. okay? So I knew that certain players uh, – you know, needed to be yelled at. I knew certain players you couldn't yell at them because it would be ineffective. And so I kind of developed that strategy from there. So um, in athletic administration, that's always been my one of my top philosophy is focus on the individual, um, not just their athleticism, focus on who they are, what's between the ears and what's in the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, we're able to recruit talented and gifted people here athletically. 
Uh, we can develop them physically. We can teach them on the mat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's between the ears and what's in the heart matters the most. And so how do you make sure you make that connection uh, to inspire and motivate them where it counts? And mm-hmm. so uh, I learned that at Notre Dame. And, and it's carried, that's been you know my top philosophy everywhere I've been. That's great. And I, well, that's really... I hire coaches who understand that. Mm-hmm. As a coach at The Ohio State University, you have to understand and, and accept that that is how we're going to operate. Mm-hmm. If you can't operate that way, you can't work here. It's that simple. Yeah, I you know I really like that building the entire individual as a as a whole athlete, not just in, you know athletically, but um, I think it says socially and um, educationally on the Ohio State website. But um, you know you've always you've always had a bit of a focus on education and the whole athlete throughout your career as an athletic director and even at your um, your other roles. So um, I guess my question is, I believe you were the, you were the first person to um, graduate from college in your family, correct? Right, yeah. Is that part of the reason that you, you focus heavily on education where some athletic directors are more focused on winning national titles, especially in the big sports like football and basketball? Yeah, that's part of it. You know, I wasn't a great student in college. I wasn't a great student in high school. In fact, uh, my dad... Uh, uh, after the eighth grade, I came out of middle school and actually ninth grade, he sat me down and said, you're not going to John F. Kennedy High School, which was the public school that I would naturally progress towards, and uh, where all my boys were going. Uh, and he sent, told me I was going to go to Chanel High School, which you guys are familiar with. It was a great wrestling program. Um, but we went, so he, he told me I was going to go to Chanel High School, all boys, Catholic, um, uh, private, all that, and I bust out there and um, you know, I was uh, one of three uh, black students in that school of 800, and uh, so it, my first year was traumatic, uh, uh, and I was behind significantly academically because the super majority of those guys, you know, went through a Catholic system, the St. Pius, you know, all the way through, and so I was really behind. I had to catch up in math and, in- and English. So my appreciation for uh, uh, having people help others academically uh, comes from my personal experiences Mm -hmm. because I had tutors at Chanel then when I went to Notre Dame I had to go before a committee to actually be admitted to to, to Notre Dame Mm -hmm. as did some of my my teammates Um, we had a guy there by the name of Nick DiCicco who was actually the fencing coach but he was also the academic advisor for football and uh, you know I would not have made it through school were it not for Nick Mm -hmm. And, and he worked with me, got me tutors, and in my junior year I was on my own. But my freshman year, sophomore year, he got me, got me right. And so, I've always had help. Mm-hmm. So I, I understand that, um, you know, you have to be sure that as we understand our first year student athletes coming in, what are their academic deficiencies that they need strengthened, mm-hmm. which is why we. Now I have, I think, six learning specialists in, in Sasso. I changed that model when I came here in 05. We started hiring learning specialists mm-hmm. to, to work on people's math deficiencies, English deficiencies. So the first first year is critical. If you don't get them right the first year, mm-hmm. they're always catching up. Yeah. And so I focus on that because that's what happened for me. So it's personal. Uh, it goes back to the fact that you're right that my that I was the first one out of my family, but it also goes back to my experience in high school and in college. Yeah. So it sounds like you had a really great vision for understanding the focus on 
the individual rather than the whole scheme of things that right. focus on the individual, the scheme will come together. Right. Um, and it also seems like, you know, when I first came here, a lot of people ask me, like, was it hard to balance athletics and academics mm-hmm. at the same time at being on a Division One level? And for me, I tell them, I think it would have been harder if I wasn't involved in athletics at Ohio State because mm-hmm. it kept me structured. It kept me right. – Everything, all the resources I need were there for me, and I knew that people cared, and it was a big focus. You know, mm-hmm. even if you exceeded in athletics and you didn't do it in academics, mm-hmm. the coaches, you know, they didn't look at you the same. You know, they right. wanted they wanted the whole package, which That's I right. think is a really cool value you've been able to instill in all the coaches that you've hired, which is a really awesome thing to see. Absolutely, you know, I got to give a quick shout out to uh, Mr. John Macko. He was our yeah. our uh, counselor <laughs> while we were on the team, and he's the man. And you know, I think that the just the atmosphere at OSU. Um, especially, you know, you get that feeling that, hey, it's, my, it's not just about sports. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got tutors, you've got all these resources that you can access any day. And um, I think they recently changed Yunkin so it's open anytime. You can go in there, you swipe in, and you can get in anytime to use computers and stuff. And it's just, um, you know, almost sometimes it seems like some people don't realize the advantages they're having or don't take full advantage of it, which is really, you know, frustrating for me i think when i saw you know if i ever saw a teammate who was struggling in a class and i'm like hey you getting tutors and they say you know no i'm like what are you doing (laughs) yeah that's right that's right that's the culture you got to have you know a lot of situations is athletes helping athletes Mm -hmm. and because as you guys know you've had teammates that you know you know sometimes it it takes that person within the team Mm -hmm. and i used to call them locker room guys uh, to make sure that you help one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, every just typical group dynamics. Every team has, you know, one or two or three on the edge, mm-hmm. and, and, it, and it's an incumbent upon the teammates to help keeping them from falling off. Mm-hmm. And that's the culture you want to create. And so you, you know, we know who they are. You know, we we know. You know, every sport has them, and, and we we keep uh, keep on top of those young people who may not take advantage of the, all the resources. Or just trying to skate, mm-hmm. and so what you want to do is inspire them, so that hopefully I call it the light bulb moment. Somewhere in their four or five years with us, that light bulb comes on, mm-hmm. and then they catapult. And uh, we, you know, we had a couple. Uh, we had 148 graduates, and uh, going to commencement is always enjoyable. But it's especially enjoyable when you see, uh, you know, a couple who kind of operated on the edge actually made it <laughs> and, uh, and it's kind of cool uh, there's a great story about uh, uh, Corey Smith uh, one of our wide receivers who was a junior college transfer and he openly talked about his uh, lack of focus academically mm-hmm. and, and and he was right I mean his last semester I met with him uh, twice in the last four weeks and his position coach to go over exactly okay where is he what does he got to do and then and his academic advisor, uh, you know, Brett Wallers, where's, where's he at? What's he got to do in this class? Are we on top of that? Does he have his tutors? Just to keep the pressure on him mm-hmm. uh, so he can graduate. And, and he talked about, he openly talked about, you know, I, I skated mm-hmm. <laughs> in the paper. Yeah. So it's, I'm not saying something that he wouldn't say. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, and that's, that's the joy sometimes. You mm-hmm. know, everybody's not going to be a 3.8 neuroscience person mm-hmm. uh, but you know if, if, if you get through it mm-hmm. and you learn something along the way mm-hmm. about yourself or something in the classroom that's outstanding yeah that yeah. is outstanding 
Yeah, it's it's funny because like in wrestling, I mean, you really don't have a professional aspect to look forward to. So mm-hmm. I, I I can't really relate to the ones who are in basketball and football and they can see that professional career ahead of them. Right, right. To sit back and be able to focus and say, okay, my academics still matter, even though I'll probably make millions right, when I leave here is right. really impressive. And I think That's a lot right. of people don't think about that aspect because they mm-hmm. never they don't want to put themselves in those shoes, but. It's real, and I think it's something you think about probably on a daily basis when you're a student here. So it's exactly. cool that um, that focus has still been put on academics and, mm-hmm. and been left there. But something that I want to kind of talk about, because I think the real meat of this conversation will be once you make it to Ohio State, can you describe your path to making it to Ohio State and why you ended up choosing Columbus in the end? Because you bounced through a couple mm-hmm. different universities mm-hmm. before that. Yeah, I guess if you look at my career you know, from an athletic administrative point of view I've been on an upward trajectory mm-hmm. uh, ever since I got in it um, at Eastern Michigan University I was there for 10 years and uh, we we're blessed we had 22 sports and I learned a lot there and a small uh, school that had uh, low resources relative to revenue a lot mm-hmm. of institutional support so I learned a lot there uh, then going to Iowa State University largest budget uh, larger operation bigger conference uh, grew there as well, and actually in my time at Eastern and at Iowa State, I think I served on almost every single NCAA committee imaginable. Mm-hmm. Um, I really was involved nationally, um, and that was intentional. I had two mentors who kind of helped me get involved nat- nationally. Um, and were they involved in the same field as you, those mentors? Yeah, so my okay. one was Cedric Dempsey. He was the athletic director at the University of Arizona, ultimately mm-hmm. became president of the NCAA. Um, and Cedric was phenomenal for me. It still is today. Uh, he lives in San Diego, actually. Then mm-hmm. uh, uh, <laughs> Delos Dodds, the Texas athletic director who had been at Kansas State and was at Texas, I think, 32, 33 years. Uh, he was a good advisor along the way. And, uh, so, you know, as I moved uh, into Iowa State, then I moved from there to Arizona State, larger resource school, bigger market, much tougher market, probably uh, learned – uh, the most at Arizona State. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was uh, a saturated marketplace, very difficult to get uh, attention for the, the, the teams because um, 75% of the people in the Valley were not from the Valley. Mm-hmm. You know, they're from Kansas, Ohio, New York, and they're there for the sunshine. Mm-hmm. So, like Mike is in San Diego. Yeah, so, somebody's <laughs> got it. But then, um, so, you know, it was a natural progression for me. Uh, I never applied to any of those jobs, mm-hmm. none of them. And, and, it, and I really believe it goes back to um, what my dad taught me about, you know, wherever you are, the best job in the world is the job you have. Mm-hmm. Focus on that, do that excellently. Uh, uh, differentiate yourself uh, constantly. And, and so I believe that <clears throat> in all the jobs that I was fortunate enough to be recruited to, People nominated me, um, and actually Ohio State I turned down twice. Um, you know, I was, I was living in Arizona. I had a pool in the backyard. I'm from Cleveland, <laughs> so why do I want to move back? So, uh, but but I and plus I hadn't finished things at Arizona State, at Eastern Michigan and Iowa State. All the goals I set, I completed. So I was ready for a transition. In Arizona State, I needed another probably two or three years to get done what I wanted to get done there. So I had a lot of trepidation about uh, leaving a place where I, that, that, that wasn't finished mm-hmm. uh, relative to the goals I set. Uh, but then, you know, you, you know it's Ohio State. Mm-hmm. So in the end, um, my wife and one of my uh, good friends, uh, you know, 
know, kind of pushed me over the edge to go to the interview. And I went to the interview, and it's like, okay, no brainer. If they offer it again, I got to go. So I was on a natural progression to be here. Um, All my experiences provided me a chance to be kind of uniquely prepared for this this complex program because it is complex with 36 sports thousand athletes we're the largest in the country yeah. uh, Stanford's number two at 35 and um, when you think about the acreage and the, the, the uh, square footage of all of our facilities the 150 million dollar operation uh, it's it's a big business yeah absolutely you know I really like that perspective from your dad about you know being the best at whatever job you're in I think that you know, a lot of times these days people get frustrated, um, especially since, you know, um, it's kind of hard to find your ideal job right? today and people get frustrated and maybe don't work as hard or don't, um, you know, don't put the effort in that they would if it was a job that they loved every day. But, you know, working hard and doing your best in your job today might get you that job that you want every day tomorrow. Exactly. And exactly. What were some of those ups and downs in between? Mm-hmm jumping between those universities and then ending up here, did you have any things that you experienced that you consider big losses that kind of made you stronger? And then what were your big wins oh, for those yeah. processes? Yeah, you know, the uh, Eastern Michigan, when I first started, well, so at Eastern Michigan, I was, uh, Paul Schultz had hired me. I was associate athletic director for him for two years. Okay. Uh, and then uh, he retired, and I became the interim athletic director, actually for 322 days. I was the interim athletic director, and I applied to be the athletic director did not make the final pool of six. Mm-hmm. So they interviewed six people and asked me to, to tour them when they came on campus for the interview process, which I did, um, and took the high road. And, and um, So that's kind of a better thing. Hey, exactly. hey we, we take these people for your job, but exactly. if you want to show them around Exactly, so you know, <laughs> that was a weird thing. So again, that moment of taking the high road, you know, be professional, um, I did that, and, and I'll never forget it. I got a, you know, all six candidates had done their thing, and uh, the vice president who was running the search called me and asked him if I would beat him at this little bar, you know, at 6.30 at night, and I thought he was going to ask me for my thoughts on the six candidates so that they can make a selection, and uh, we had a couple beers, and he finally said, you know, we, we met as a committee, and we realized you're the best candidate. That's awesome. So moral of the story, get your bosses a little bit tipsy. This is right, a couple beers, exactly right. (laughs) You know, uh, what it it did, though, it it was probably um, one of those first moments of of, uh, realizing that you have to always do things the right way. Mm -hmm. Because I could have been pissed off. Mm -hmm. You know, they asked me to tour six guys for the job that I wanted. Mm -hmm. And, And I could have, you know, gone the other way behaviorally mm-hmm. um, but I, my attitude was highly positive with passion I was um, you know at the highest level with my personality um, and, and, and I think it continued to, to differentiate me mm-hmm. you know, as the committee and other people watch me mm-hmm. uh, execute uh, what they asked me to do um, but that was a tough time mm-hmm. you know that was a tough time I had been there for you know three years basically and, and worked hard and I felt I uh, should have had a shot to get the interview. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I deserved the job, mm-hmm. but I thought I should have been one of the six. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even one of the six, so that was a that was one of those experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the other one um, was uh, was at Iowa State. Um, you know, I was uh, uh, you know a city guy basically growing up in Cleveland. You know, I'm going to Ames, Iowa, twenty five thousand people and. 
25,000 students in the school. You know, not a whole lot of people look like me, not a lot of a, not a large African-American population. Um, so um, knowing that in the 99 counties in Iowa, that you know, there was less than 2 million people in that state, so you really had to get out. Uh, knowing that I would face some challenges in different parts of the state, not Ames, not where I was, not Des Moines, the big city there, but different parts of the state. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I knew I needed to get out, and um, and I knew I would face some, you know, challenges, mm -hmm. and, and and those were hard. Those were sometimes hard uh, to to stay at the high road mm -hmm. when you encountered that in some small town. Mm -hmm. um, and, and um, so that was a little hard for me my first year because I encountered more of it than I thought I would. Mm -hmm. um, but after I got through that and we began to perform, you know, that changed things. So you just got over it. But uh, so you know, little things of that nature. I never encountered anything in the job, so to speak. That that you know, mm -hmm. nothing. You know, mm -hmm. we've had NC investigations here and at Arizona State. Uh, we had the big one here with, with uh, football and, and all that, but those those are challenges. But that's sometimes that's part of the job. Yeah, you, know, you just have to provide leadership and get through them. But so those are probably a couple examples. Yeah, definitely. It seems like you've just always had a good idea too of keeping a long term vision. That's I feel like yes. part of the high road and then a confidence in yourself that no matter what happens, you know, you're gonna end up making it through. Which that's is true. That's true. A crucial point for anybody taking their career and their life in general that's listening is keeping that long term vision in mind and not letting small small stumbles kinda hurt right. you along the way. Right. Stay core, stay <clears throat> stay grounded in your values. You mm -hmm. know, integrity is all is something that I have that no one could ever take from me. Mm -hmm. um, my family is at the top of the pyramid. Mm -hmm. you know, my spirituality is a part of me. So you have to stay, keep your values, and anything that gets in the way of your values is when you got to stop and pause. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's uh, hopefully that allows you uh, mm -hmm. to, to execute at the highest level and mm -hmm. stay true to those. And did that, go ahead, Mike. Were you gonna say okay, I was going to say absolutely. You know, and you, and you mentioned. Um, the uh, the tattoos and the, you know that uh, that rough patch kind of in the middle of your career. So you know that was one point we wanted to talk about. And I, you know I'm sure most of our listeners out there um, know what happened in um, 2010 yeah. with the football team. But what we wanted to talk to you about is after you know after players receiving tattoos for memorabilia things like that, Jim Tressel has to step down. Um, what we want to talk about is your leadership during that time and how did you manage to keep the team and the school focused yeah. and turned things around so quickly because it was it was a quick turnaround well you don't you you as a leader you understand that you're never alone and you never try and do something alone mm -hmm. so uh, i gathered a great team uh internally of staff members uh, a great team at the institution of senior leaders and we focused on the issue constantly and communicated excellently and we stayed the course on what was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, even though I knew why the athletes did it, and, and, and two of them, I believe, uh, you know, kind of got led into it, um, you know, I kept my focus on how we had to get through the issue. Mm -hmm. And I knew there'd be significant collateral damage mm -hmm. uh, for the institution nationally and inter internationally with the public relations part of it. Uh, but the reality is what was always best 
for the, the individuals involved and the institution. So uh, never swayed from that. Mm-hmm. And, and also tried to stay positive uh, for the other coaches in the department. Frankly, uh, was athletically and academically, is one of our, it was one of our best years ever. Mm-hmm. We were number two in the Director's Cup. We won multiple conference championships. It was one of our best years ever. Yeah. But it, it, it went unnoticed mm-hmm. because of what was happening with football. Wow. And so it was really keeping the focus, staying true to the values, communication, staying positive, um, not overreacting. Mm-hmm. Um, all the things you learn uh, as a leader coming through uh, your experiences in life. And, and um, I always um, try to think about the next step. Mm-hmm. And you know, when we appointed Luke Fickle, the interim coach, um, you know, I, I, Ohio State is one of those places where uh, you should be able to um, turn something around quickly after a, a tough, challenging situation because we're still the Ohio State University. We still can attract uh, talented and gifted young people. Um, and I knew whoever came in as head coach, you were inheriting uh, a turnaround program. Mm-hmm. We had great players here. Mm-hmm. You know, we were already on a great trajectory uh, academically because Jim Trestle was an outstanding football coach. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I always kept my focus as we're going through this this issue on, okay, what's next? Mm-hmm. While everyone was else was talking about how we handle the NCAA matters, which I stayed a part of, I was thinking about who's our next leader in football. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I kind of did that on my own. And, and then I started to engage others as we, we got towards the end of the case. But uh, as a leader, you just have to stay focused. You can't, you can't overreact. Mm-hmm. That's the worst thing you can do. And make sure you surround yourself with, with a lot of talent mm-hmm. as you go through the process. Yeah, because essentially you're running a massive business, it seems like, from the outside with different departments. That's right. Know? That's right. And that's one thing I want to talk about was what was it like and what do you look for when you're putting your head coaches that are in charge of those departments? Mm-hmm. What are the main qualities that, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, like it's a person like Tom Ryan who when he interviewed, there was mm-hmm. probably other people who had more credentials than Tom. Mm-hmm. You know, he mm-hmm. never won an NCAA title even though that's he's right. a phenomenal athlete. That's right. that's right. But then when you sit down with Tom, you know, man, this guy's he's an amazing person. Exactly. So do you experience that with all your coaches and that? Kind yeah, of you know, so you, 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 I learned early on that you always keep a list. You know, you always have a list of, of candidates. Mm-hmm. When I you know, was going around the country and you know, I'm watching different sporting events or watching us compete against different teams. You know, I'm looking at their coaching staff. I'm watching what their coaches are doing. Uh, Jeff Carlston, our women's volleyball coach, we had played um, Ohio University uh, in the NCAA tournament a couple years before we had to uh, make a hire. And I remember watching Jeff coach his team with that passion and fire. And, and uh, so I always keep a list. Um, you know, wrestling, you know, I love wrestling. It's always been one that I've had everywhere I've been. Uh, so, you know, I was at Iowa State, kind of the, at that time, the Mecca. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, my coach, Bobby Douglas, and Dan Gable going at it like mad. And we, yeah. 10,000 people in our arenas. Yeah. So I've always, yeah, I've always known wrestling. I've always had a list of candidates. Uh, I had Willie Gatson as one of my first coaches. And so uh, Tom, I knew about, I, he was on my, my short list, but I'd never spent time with him. Mm-hmm. So sitting down with him, and uh, he hit my top uh, priorities right off the bat. When I interview people, 
they've gone through a process here, uh, meeting with a committee, meeting with other coaches. So I really don't talk to them about, you know, how they run their sport. Mm -hmm. I talk to them about who they are. Mm -hmm. My first question, give me your top five values in life. Mm -hmm. Now, 99% of the time it shocks them because they, you know, most people don't ask them that question. Mm -hmm. But that's how you begin to get to know who a person is, what's important to you. Mm -hmm. So I remember Tom and giving me his top five values and and then he, I can't ask him certain things about his personal life, you know, who he's married to, all that kind of stuff. You know, you can't do that legally, but he opened up, talked about his background, what he went through with his child, and, and, um, and we connected like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then we get into the vision conversation um, each sport is unique, uh, brings something different to the table. But um, in Ohio, if you recruit Ohio in wrestling um, and keep your fence up around Ohio, you know you're gonna do pretty good. Yeah, you're gonna do pretty good. And and Tom and I talked about that a lot. And, and so um, my the coaches that I'm blessed to recruit and work with every day, character is at the top of the list. You know, the highest level of values. I need to be sure that you're gonna treat our student athletes the right way. Mm -hmm. And we've lost some coaches over the last, you know, ten years who ultimately didn't do things the right way. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, characters top of the pyramid, and and then you you get into uh, whether or not they can handle, you know, this monster. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and Tom and I talked about this, you know, fortunately he had been in Iowa uh, as an athlete, but, you know, Hofstra's a lot different than the Ohio State University. Yeah. And, and the magnifying glass is, is different. So everything you say and do, people are going gonna to know. Yeah. And so anyway, I go, so every, every sport's unique, uh, tennis, volleyball, track, all of them. You know, I look for someone, a high character person. Mm -hmm. It's very important. Important. We attract good teachers, so it's really about the person mm -hmm. more than anything. It's just like recruiting athletes, same thing. Absolutely, you know, and so you know, like like we mentioned, you know, wrestling, Coach Ryan, and um, football with Urban, and a bunch of other sports. Rest, I think, you know, volleyball, women's rowing, pistols, fencing, synchronized swimming. Yeah. Um, others, they've all won, you know, Big Ten national titles under your leadership, and. So I, my question is, what what allows you to bring out the best in these teams, um, and the best in the university? Is it you know like we were just talking about? Is it the right coaches? Is it recruiting the right athletes? Having the best facilities? Mm -hmm. um, what's what aspect do you think would be the most important to excelling on at a high level? Well, it's actually all of that. Um, you know, you, you you can't single out one thing. The coach is, is the most important part of it all because that's the leader and making sure you have that right person. Uh, to lead the program because they have to orchestrate every single element of running the program, the, the recruiting, uh, the, the, the teaching and the hiring of assistants, uh, the, the budget management, the equipment management, uh, all those type of things uh, the coach has to do. But uh, you have to put in place the resources necessary for that coach to be successful. And, and that means putting in the resources necessary for the athlete to be successful. Um, you know, having you know, the, the academic support that's needed. You know, we have over 160 tutors now in different areas, and those tutors are for every single level of, of student-athlete academic cap capacity. You know, you have those who are at risk. You have, you know, the um, 
Chris Diaz's of the world in tennis who aspires to be a doctor. You know, and so you you have that whole spectrum, and so you you have to put the facilities in place. You have to put uh, the the support uh, people in place, the trainers, and all the aggregate. There's no there's no single one thing. Mm -hmm that uh, you could say is the part is the magic mm -hmm. besides having the right head coach you got to have that person this is the best group of coaches I've ever had in my tenure and 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 you have to create a platform where that talent and that skill uh, can, can can continue to grow mm -hmm. uh, urban Meyer continues to grow you know Tom continues to grow we have a thing called lessons learned um, probably do it eight times a year when we bring all the coaches together and we usually have different topics that different coaches present uh, so they share uh, what, what they do uh, and so we've created an environment where you know Tom can call Ty Tucker in our tennis program and say hey I'm dealing with this issue have you ever dealt with it before mm -hmm. uh, or um, Stone and gymnastics can call Urban Meyer and say, "Hey, Urban, you got time? We're getting ready to, to compete for a national championship. Can you run over and talk to the team?" Mm -hmm. You create that culture of togetherness with all that intellectual capacity and experiences among some of the most gifted in the business. So, it's so many different things to answer that question. Mm -hmm. uh, the core is the coach, mm -hmm. uh, but there's so many different things that you. Uh, as the leader have to put in place with your team that you work with every single day to give the coach the resources to ultimately give the athlete what they need. Mm -hmm. um, so I, you know, I, when I negotiated the Nike contract, the new contract, I had a, from every single sport, as I went into the negotiations, I knew what I had to change. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the number of jocks and socks for wrestling. I had to change all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So, so there's the shoes for uh, track. So there's so many different things. So you, so you can give the coaches what they need to give the athletes. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's a that's a, a great question. But there's no single one answer because uh, everything's so important. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely an amazing pride and cohesive relationship that you can feel when you're a part of a team here, and then mm -hmm. just even being a Buckeye in general that yeah. is really inspiring, and I feel like it really puts everybody together. Everybody who's a part of the Buckeye Nation, per se, is really represents it, and they're super proud of it, mm -hmm. and I think you can see that in the coaches as well, which is awesome. Yeah, we try to create that among the athletes as well. Yeah. I mean, as wrestlers, you you may have volleyball athletes in the, in the stands, swimmers in the stands, mm -hmm. uh, Last weekend we were competing in tennis and, and uh, our women were, uh, our men were competing and to move on to the Sweet 16 and we had some football athletes in the stands, we had some track athletes in the stands and, and uh, so it, it is creating exactly what you said, that cohesiveness and, and, co and collaboration among the athletes and the coaches that hopefully uh, helps each, everyone be inspired to go. Uh, our study abroad program uh, you know, it's just reading the blogs from, you know, we have football guys, had soccer, Lindsey Agnew was there in soccer, Michelle Burns in gymnastics, and we have pistol athletes there. So we, reading their blogs about their, their experience, uh, helping young people in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, those, that's, all that stuff you have to have. Yeah, and it's, a, it's inspiring, and I, I can't speak for Mike, but I know for myself, knowing that other athletes were there watching and supporting you, and when you'd see them around campus and they knew who you were and that you were part yes. of the team too. Mm -hmm. It was really inspiring because you want to see those people and they're like, hey, congratulations on your guys' national championship. Right. Whatever. You know, that's that's right. a pretty cool feeling mm -hmm. that, you know, the other sports that are doing really amazing things as well respect 
what you're achieving here. Exactly. It's no question. But um, my question is, how do you balance, or how have you balanced? I think what makes Ohio State athletics really unique is you're balancing a business and relationships at the mm-hmm. same time. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure. You're, I mean, even between Tom and his athletes, like he develops a really strong relationship with us. Like right. I'm sure you do with your coaches. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, it's a business, you know that's what right. I mean? It's it's what his family rides on. Mm-hmm. If he puts mm-hmm. food on his family's table. That's right, that's right. So you have to start the best athletes, and you have to do what you think is best, but then you care about these people. Mm-hmm. And I think in normal business, for those across Columbus that are listening, that are running, whether it's Fortune 500 company or startup, it's mm-hmm. not as much relationships, or at least they don't think it is, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how have you found to kind yeah, of Yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's really, you, you, you have to uh, uh, help uh, everyone in the department understand uh, what they're held accountable for because frankly there is a real parallel to the private sector so when I think of this is my degrees in business administration I worked at IBM in the private sector so I look at the athletic department as the umbrella corporation and the 36 sports are are subsidiaries Mm -hmm. of the corporation and the head coaches are presidents of those subsidiaries. Mm-hmm. And so we allocate our resources to you know, the business of wrestling. Mm-hmm. You know, Tom has a budget, he has personnel management, he has all those type of things. So the most important thing to, to your question uh, was uh, in, when I came here, we implemented a performance management plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, we had to decide what are our goals for each individual program because each one is different. Mm -hmm. Wrestling should be a national championship type of program. Uh, Very difficult for track to be a national championship program here, but should be a Big Ten championship type program. Mm -hmm. So you had to set your goals for each sport, but then with the leader, you set those goals with the leader as well. Mm -hmm. So the performance management plan was teaching people how to set goals, teaching people how to accept goals, teaching people how to evaluate people, teaching people how to accept evaluations, uh, and actually putting it on paper. They did not have that when I came here. And so in the business world, in the private sector, everybody's got quantifiable goals and objectives that you're held accountable to. Mm -hmm. Same thing here. Tom has goals. Mm -hmm. I have an expectation that our wrestling program is uh, consistently going to be one of the top programs in the country, and periodically we're going to win a national championship. So he and I talk about and define periodic. Mm-hmm. You're not going to win it every year. It's mm-hmm. not going to happen. So what's periodic? So he and I talk about that. We always got to be in the hunt. Always got to be in the hunt. But periodically we're going to take it. Mm-hmm. And so with uh, track, it's about the Big Ten championship, mm-hmm. and it's about how do we. Uh, recruit and help those student athletes that have a chance to win a national championship in track how do we help them Mm -hmm. because you're going to have some individuals that can do it Christine Manning a couple years ago so so anyway so you have those quantifiable objectives and you hold people accountable to them Mm -hmm. the academic part of it the same thing managing your budget managing your equipment your scheduling all that stuff is in there I expect um, every single head coach as they look at their assistants and their volunteers, just like it's my job to help head coaches develop, it's Tom's job to help develop his assistants. Mm-hmm. You know, wh- where, where does Jaggers want to be in life? Does mm-hmm. Jaggers want to be a head coach one day? So what are we doing to help him be a head coach? Mm-hmm. So all that's a part uh, of the quantifiable goals and objectives uh, that most people don't hear about, mm-hmm. or and never will. 
um, because that's the business side. Mm -hmm. Okay, now you got to balance that with you know dealing with people because you know we're not in a manufacturing environment with widgets. We're dealing with people. Yeah. So you have to um, make sure you put the tools in place for the coach and her or his staff to be able to make sure that we're dealing with the people the right way, which is what we talked about earlier. But from a, a culture point of view, you have to have those quantifiable goals and objectives, just like they do in the private sector. And at the end of the day, if I don't get my job done, they'll bring somebody else in. Mm -hmm. And if Tom doesn't get his job done, I'll bring somebody else in. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, we, we got all the coaches. I don't have to worry about that anymore. We're, we're, we got a great group of coaches who get it. It's mm -hmm. really cool. That's great. Absolutely. It's a great system, you know. And, um, and you guys so, have that in your world, too, one day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Those goals, you know, I, I actually just, you know, my first job just started and uh, well, actually starts Monday, um, but you know you've got a quota, you've got all these goals, and yeah. um, you know it's yeah. very similar to the system that we had involved at Ohio State. But you mentioned the budgeting and um, how well you guys do at Ohio State. Um, I think you recently gave a thirty-nine million dollar assessment back to the university this mm -hmm. year, and the athletics department is entirely self-funded. Mm -hmm. And um, so, how have you been able to achieve you know such a great feat? And uh, not a lot of other universities do that. Right. And how does that benefit the team? How does that benefit students at OSU? Well, the uh, main thing is, uh, first of all, our scholarships of that $39 million, $19 million represent paying for our scholarships. So we paid a full boat for our in-state and out-of-state scholarships, so we pay for that. Uh, some of it is for services rendered, uh, custodial services, uh, rental space, things of that nature. Uh, we'll, we'll pay for that. Uh, but the rest is to support the academic mission. You know, we transfer about... 300000 to the College of Social Work. Um, and, and they do some work for us uh, around our life sports program, but it's a lot to support them. Uh, the library, we just finished off um, a $9 million commitment to the library where the Thompson Library, when they renovated it, um, they ran out of money. They didn't have enough money, so we, we made a, a commitment to give them $9 million over nine years. And this past, this year actually is the last year on that, that payment. Um, we just made a commitment to uh, help support uh, the, uh, the salaries of two police officers on campus. It's about $300,000. We do not have enough police on this campus. Mm -hmm. and, and so working with the president, um, uh, we're going to generate more revenue this year. So I, I uh, asked him if he would consider allowing us to help the public safety. And so... Uh, two years ago, most people don't know, we, we you know, in that $39 million, we paid for a bomb dog. You know, we, we got a, with uh, the terrorist things going on, and they didn't have enough dogs to sweep our events. So we, we purchased a dog for $25,000. So it's a lot of different things in that money um, that tie a little bit to what we need. Mm -hmm. uh, the money goes to different parts of the university. Uh, but we should be... Uh, with the revenue we generated, we should be uh, supportive of the academic mission. First and foremost, we got to give our coaches and our athletes what they need. But after that, we don't need to sit here and build up some huge reserve of money like you do in a business or a private sector. Uh, so it's really about trying to find different parts of campus that just do not have the financial resources and how can we help them uh, 
mm-hmm. uh, be successful. Uh, we help a lot of different student organizations on campus with their fundraisers and things of that nature, uh, intramural club teams, things of that nature. Uh, so it's it's who we are and, and, and how and what we should do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for twenty five grand, I'll sniff out bombs. You want to kick that dog? I can teach myself. Do that. <laughs> oh, but, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's that's a good dog. Yes. Um, but as we kind of kind of wrap things up, because I know you got a lot going on today, and we could talk to you all day about yeah. you know everything going on in these universities. Just it could go on for days. There's right. so much awesome, awesome stuff going on. But what's your long term vision, mm-hmm. and where do you see everything going from here? Like a, like student athletes out there that are considering Ohio State and they're top in their field, whatever they whatever mm-hmm. sport. Mm-hmm. Um, what can you tell them that's inspiring? That is why Ohio State's the place to be, and why Columbus is such an awesome city. You know, it's. it's uh, when you look at this city and look at this institution, uh, this city is on a, a trajectory that most cities aren't. Uh, we're right now, the, I think we moved from 15th to 14th, the uh, largest uh, city in the country right now. Uh, we're a little, we just hit the over 2 million mark. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at the, think about the, the financial opportunities here, the different industries, it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Probably in the top five in diversity, across this country uh, just a great place to live and, and raise a family uh, but when you when you think about the Ohio State University um, it, it's comprehensive a lot of people say it's large but I look at it more as comprehensive you have an opportunity if you don't know exactly what you want to do academically mm-hmm. you have an opportunity to explore mm-hmm. and look at 199 different degree programs that you can ultimately get a major in. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the coolest thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you know you want to be in, in the medical area or the college of business, which is one of the top 10 public college of businesses in the country, if you want to do that, it's here. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, it's the best place to come and say, you know, let me figure this out. Okay, I want to go into kinesiology or I want to go into food science or I want to be in logistics or whatever it is that's emerging is here. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful place, but uh, from the athletic perspective, um, you know, here you're you're going to have a championship experience. You're going to have a championship experience as a person. Uh, academically, you're going to have that. Uh, but you're an athlete. As an athlete, if you if you want to be in a highly competitive competitive environment. It's going to challenge you to be the best that you can be and ultimately win championships. There's no better place. There's no better place. And we're sitting here in the spring right now, and women's tennis team just, you know, beat uh, uh, Georgia Tech last night, 4-2. Now they're in the final eight. That's awesome. uh, Chasing the championship. Our men play this morning at 10 against Texas. They're in the Sweet 16, so hopefully they'll win and get on to the final eight. And, and um, our baseball team is catapulted from ninth place to third place. Is now playing the number one team in the conference this weekend and beat them last night three to two. Um, you know, and, and has a chance to win the conference championship based upon their next two game performance. Mm-hmm. Um, this, if you want to be inspired to be the best that you can be, this is the place to be. Uh, T.K. Kelly just won the regional in golf. I mean, it's. So now, in Kohler, now he'll go out to Oregon next weekend and chase the, his own individual championship in golf. Um, That's awesome. In his senior year, it's the, I'm so happy for him. And, yeah. and you know, you 
get to your senior year, and now you got a chance to win it all mm-hmm. um, after developing. I mean, I'm so happy for him. He's an unbelievable guy. And so you, th- that's what we do. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. We out of our 148 graduates uh, from a couple weekends ago, 122 of them already have jobs and are uh, or are going to postgraduate school. You that's know, great. Chasing their masters and. We have a lady by the name of Latoya Ferris who are working with the other 26 to make sure that they land a job or, or get into grad school. Now, we have a few of them that's going to take a year off and go find themselves, but, <laughs> you know, that we always have that. But, you know, when you come here uh, and you go through this experience, um, you should be able to walk out of here and chase your dreams. Yeah, and I noticed personally, you know, I can speak for Mike, but that's exactly what happened to me here. I was able to find what I want to do in my life and mm-hmm. then being a part of athletics raised my level of standards to a level that'll affect what I achieve for the rest of my life yeah. you know being around surrounded by people who are doing amazing things I couldn't possibly go on with the rest of my life and just think that it's okay to be average you know because right. of the values that were instilled in me through athletics and academics while I was here which that's is what awesome. it's all about yeah it's great yeah. absolutely I completely agree you know and that's um I've mentioned it before and I'll probably mention it a couple more times on this podcast but being around guys that are at the elite levels of their sports and at the top of their game really makes you want to apply your talents and your efforts to things that you believe you're good at. That's right. That's what it's all about. So, Well, that's awesome, Gene. We definitely we thank, thank you, you for your time. Thank and you. uh, kind of something that we like to do is recap some of the main key takeaways that sure. I have as we were going through this. And I think a big thing was the long-term vision and relationships that you mm-hmm. focused on throughout your life helped mm-hmm. you get you to where you are, focusing on the next step, and then making sure you're doing right for all the people around you, underneath you, and above you, right. which is an, an awesome thing to go. And then working with goals and constantly evaluating those goals and making mm-hmm. sure that you're on path. Um, I think it's good to have, you know, be, be stringent, stringent in what you want to achieve and then be flexible on how to get there. And I exactly. think that um, you've mastered that. And then when it comes to people focusing on what's between the ears, I think was mm-hmm. a huge comment. And then the final thing is just in your own personal life, differentiating yourself and you know, you never applied for any of your jobs, but it's because you were doing the right thing, you were on the right path, and you were the right type of person. You know, you kept your integrity, and you always did what was right, so it helped you get to where you got to go. That's it. And right I think, there. you know, those who are worrying, maybe the 20 student athletes out of that don't have jobs yet, you know, I mean, right. you can focus on the key things that matter, the rest in life is going to fall in place. For right. You, That's exactly I think right. That's awesome. That's what it's all about. That's cool. And all then, right, I think the very last thing, so sure. the theme of our podcast is living uncomfortably. We think a lot of the people that mm-hmm. we have on here have... Mm-hmm master to achieve what they want by living uncomfortable in their life. Do you have any key area that you were really feeling living uncomfortably because you knew it would get you to where you had to go or where you wanted to be? You know, I uh, I can't say that I did. You know, I, um, I, I've always been comfortable. I mean, I don't know if it was because I... That's not... We can't put that answer on you. No, that's not going to help you. I don't know. It's so hard, you know, it's because, uh, you know, I just... Uh, I'm, I'm just not, I was never that guy. That's awesome. I was never this guy. I believe that when Dan Devine, the head football coach, asked me to stay on, and I was in my senior year, just finished playing, and he came in and asked me to stay on as a graduate assistant, then he promoted me to full-time coach. I believe he came into that room. Um, I wasn't a great player. I didn't start. I was a backup player. I played on all the special teams, but he knew I was a locker room guy. Mm-hmm. And, and I think he knew I had confidence, and, and, and which I did. I wasn't arrogant. I was just confident mm-hmm. all the time. And I've been that way ever since. I've, so I've, I can't say that I've 
ever been uncomfortable, you know, except when I went from middle school to high school. Yeah. When I went from public school to private school. That And that was probably a defining moment in my life that my dad made me go through and, for, and I'm forever indebted to him because he, if I had gone to John F. Kennedy with my boys, I would not be here today. Mm-hmm. But he he put me in an uncomfortable situation. There's a good one. I knew so we'd get it out of He here. took me from <laughs> public school to that private school and for a good year, um, it was a nightmare. Yeah. And uh, But um, it was the first place that I found organized sports. Mm-hmm because I didn't have organized sports in the public school system that I went through. But when I went to Chanel, mm-hmm. they had organized sports. And that, I, I found it. I mean, if it weren't for that moment, um, I would have never found organized sports. I would have never gone to Notre Dame. I would have never uh, improved my academic capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's one. My first year at Chanel, very uncomfortable. Uh, it was challenging. Had a couple physical fights that I, you know, shouldn't have been in, yeah. um, but uh, I grew as a human being uh, as I just stayed focused mm-hmm. on getting it done. I was never a quitter, mm-hmm. so I was never, ever, when I went to Chanel and I struggled that first year, I never thought about quitting. Mm-hmm. That never entered my mind, but it was, to your words, it was very uncomfortable that first year, but I That's stayed good. focused. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. No problem, man. Thank you, Gene. That was great. That's Conquering Columbus, and that was Gene Smith. Thanks again for your time, Gene, and uh, we'll talk to you guys later. If you liked that episode, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, social media. We're all over the place, guys. Share it with your friends. Also want to ask you if you could do us a big favor. Check out that podcast app you're listening to us on, and go ahead and click that subscribe button. Again, it really helps us out, and it makes sure you guys never miss a single episode of Conquering Columbus. Last thing we want to do before we let you go here is give one last shout-out to all of our incredible sponsors. And that starts with AWH. AWH are builders of exceptional digital products for the web and mobile that drive business for select growth companies. With over 4,500 applications developed and 10 million users enjoying AWH applications, They are focused on solving problems and improving lives through better software applications. If you want to find out more about AWH, check out awh.net, which will be linked in the show notes, and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. For those of you who don't know who they are, the Sundown Group is an Ohio nonprofit that helps connect entrepreneurs to investors, mentors, talent, and capital through business pitch events, workshops, and classes offered throughout Ohio. More information on the web at sundownfirst.org. And our last sponsor is Facilities Management Express, or FMX for short. FMX is actually founded and headquartered here in Columbus, Ohio. They're a startup software company. What's really cool about them is a lot of competitors in this space, but they made a name for themselves by designing an easy-to-use and tailored-fit facilities maintenance and management software. They serve industries ranging from churches and schools to property management, manufacturing, and fast casual restaurants. You can learn more and check out a free trial at gofmx.com. Mike here again. And if you want to be a sponsor of Conquering Columbus and have your message heard by conquerors across the city, please reach out to me at mike at conqueringcolumbus.com. There will be a quick survey in the show notes of today's episode. And if you guys could fill that out for us, we'd really appreciate it. All right, folks, that's all we got. We'll talk to you next week.
you could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment and I might get you know my head kicked in in the beginning but I'll find a way to survive I'll find a way to get the job done yeah there's a little doubt but you know what once again I think of that guy in my ear I think about stepping up to the stage I think about the challenge like I've lost sometimes but I've won more than I've lost and so like I bet on me any day Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus.